Warning, the podcast Under the Stairs is not safe for work. We'll feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners may find offensive. Brought to you in conjunction with Legion Podcast Network. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. Happy Halloween motherfuckers. How are you all doing? Hopefully you are all getting ready to raise some hell tonight. Raise the dead from their graves and march with the army of the undead towards total victory over those who do not watch horror movies. There's plenty of them out there. It's time to take those motherfuckers down. That's right, the war begins here. Now the reason I just went away in this massive preamble at the start is because I have a slight admission, a little disclaimer to fling in at the start of this episode because there is no movie commentary on this episode. Previously advertised myself, the Baz and the big sex pot, the Iceman, Big Dave Ape Buchanan, were to sit down and do a trick-or-treat commentary. It never quite happened. Point of fact, we all sat down last night to record and everything was going peachy until we went to record the commentary and um, that's when the tech issues started. It would appear, without boring you ladies and gents, I'll let you peek behind the curtain here, it would appear that the most recent updates for Skype and Windows 10 no longer allow you to adjust the volume of the people that are speaking to you through your call. It's controlled now by the main volume and the buzz he's hearing ain't what it used to be. So when he's watching a movie, he needs the volume on that movie really fucking loud and myself and Davy's voice somewhere in the middle so he can hear over the top of the movie and unfortunately we could not get a setting which allowed the buzz to hear the movie as well as us talking and rather than put out kind of substandard commentary. I mean, the Baz could have slugged through it, but he wouldn't have been hearing the movie to do his wisecracks, um, or he would have been hearing me and Dave. It was, one, it was one of the two, and we opted to just cancel it last night. So, on this episode, you'll hear the intro to that recording. We recorded a good 20-odd minutes of just banal banter, uh, which I'm going to segue into this episode. So, it looked like the podcast Under the Stairs was not going to have... A Halloween episode and you know what that just won't fucking do not on my watch and um, so I am really clambering together what I can in the way of useless ideas at the last hour uh, we are a mere two three hours away from Halloween and I am I am struggling ladies and gents I am toiling so what I thought it might be fun to do something I've never done before mostly because I I don't like my reading voice, but uh, in the spirit of what some other shows do, in particular the last podcast on the left, who I am a massive fan, they pick creepy stories from online and they read them out on Halloween, so I thought, you know what, 
let's do a couple of creepy shorts in this episode. Let's fill it with some fucking banging tunes. Um, let's fill it with some Halloweeny content. That's right, Halloweeny. Um, and on the back of everything else, let's fling in some of that recording that we had with myself, the Baz, and Big Dave. So this is a hodgepodge, a collage, um, a mixture. Uh, a witch's cauldron, so to speak. Quite like that analogy um, of nonsense. Uh, it's not going to be a hugely long episode, but let's be honest, there is a ton of podcasts out there flinging content down on today, the day that is Halloween, that allows you to listen to all their movie reviews, all their bitching stuff, and uh, take a little podcast sorbet, cleanse the palate with this nonsense here. So yeah... <laughs> uh, what can I say except happy Halloween motherfuckers I hope you enjoy this this is really a man at his wits end try to put something out on the one day that is important to any horror podcast and that is Halloween I just want to say up front at the beginning here I hope everyone has a fantastic time I hope if you have kids you get them out and round the doors collecting candy and sweets um, if you are not then Pass yourself off as a kid, go chat some doors and get some candy and sweets. And for those that are lazy, I hope you pick some bitchin' movies to ring in your Halloween with. I know that I have a fantastic list of movies that I want to get through as well. So, without any further ado, I'm going to drop out just now, ladies and gents. Um, you are going to hear some promos for shows that I love. You are going to hear a bit of music, because let's kick this show off on the right notes. Uh, when I return, I'm going to be doing a couple of creepy little ghost stories. I'm going to be right back to do that with a whole hell of a lot more right after this. There's a new kid in the neighborhood, but don't invite him to your party. The It's Alive Baby is back. Only now there are three of them. It lives again. First, there was Halloween. Then the terror continued with Halloween 2. Now, Halloween 3. The night no one comes home. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check newspapers. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> That's gotta go in there. So on the show. Uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard or Jeffrey or Simon. That's right. We have four people and we always talk at once except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. 
Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon-exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. Wife. 
After a months-long nationwide search operation, your missing wife is found alive and well. You were the one who murdered and dismembered her. The flashes and clicks from the cameras were overwhelming. Behind the barricades, reporters from across the nation were desperately thrusting their microphones as far out as possible, hoping to catch any word we might say. The police escort ushered my wife and I out into the awaiting town car. We booked a short vacation out of town while all of this died down. In the back seat of the car, Sarah looked at me with the grateful smile she'd been wearing ever since we were reunited. There were tears of joy in her big, beautiful green eyes. Those same eyes that sobbed with fear when she was tied and gagged in the back seat of the rental car. Either she was the best actress to ever live, or she didn't remember a thing. That casual Skype call while Sarah was out of town on business. I miss you so much, I told her. I just have to see you. She thought I was romantic, driving all the way up there in midnight just for a one-night visit. She didn't know that I had left my car in the front driveway for the neighbours to see and borrowed my girlfriend's. Sarah enjoyed that sexy game we played, down to the hotel bar and had a drink, while I came in with a very thorough disguise and flirted with her. Shamelessly and very visibly in the front of every other patron. Had to make sure she was seen. I invited her back to my place and she loudly accepted the offer. Perfect, I whispered into her ear as she climbed into the passenger seat. I don't think I can wait till we get all the way home. She smiled and climbed into the back seat and I tied her up tight. She giggled and moaned as I did. I think she only realised what was happening when I headed back into the driver's seat. First she tried to call out, but was muffled by the gag. Then she struggled against her ropes more and more urgently. And then the tears started, filling up her beautiful green eyes and marring her mascara. She was still crying when I pulled up into that empty field, dumped her onto the dirt and... I put my arm around her as the chauffeur drove off, followed by our police escort. By the time we got into the airport, we'd lost any of the remaining reporters and could finally be alone. She slept on the flight, leaning against my arm. I was too nervous. How? How had she come back? I checked her serendipitously. No scars or cuts or anything. No thin line along her neck where I'd slashed her arteries open. No sutures along her shoulders where I'd hacked off her arms. No wounds on her hips where I'd cut her legs. Nothing to indicate that she'd been stuck at the bottom of the lake for the past four months. She was just back. Good as new. She couldn't explain where she'd been or how she'd gotten back. The first thing she remembered was being found slipping on that boat in Boston, a thousand miles away from where her body was settled into the mud at Lake Wampatock. Before that, all she could remember was driving. We landed in St Thomas at dawn, just as the sun broke over the crystal blue waters and swaying palm trees. The hotel room had a beautiful view of the harbour, where white catamarians bounced lightly in the waves. Come out with me, I called her, and turned back to see what she was still doing in the room. Through the window, I caught a brief glimpse of her staring back. The sparkling emerald that I knew so well was gone, replaced with a 
deep, empty void of black that covered even the white of her eyes, blacker than coal, blacker than deep space, so dark that it seemed to suck out all the light from the room, full of anger and rage and hatred that seemed to burn through her entire body. I flinched back unconscious, as if withering gaze with physical pain. And with a blink, her black eyes were gone. She strode through the door, smiling in a rat towel. She came over, kissed me, and suggested we go to the beach. I'm so glad we're getting to spend some time alone, she told me, with an innocent, sweet smile. Horror Movie Baby My husband and I love horror movies. We had a stack of them prepared for late night diaper changes and feedings, ready to pop them in and stare into the haze, some semblance of normal in the background of sleep-deprived, baby-fueled life. Our friends asked if we were worried that the baby would get scared. We figured it would be too young to realise anything and then we'd grow up loving them, just like we had. We jokingly and lovingly called it our horror movie baby. We spent months building the collection, passionately arguing the plot points of our favourite films. We went to midnight marathons. We talked alternate endings. We broke down genres by favourite. Mine, psychological thrillers. His, creature features. We discussed our favourite monsters. I liked vampires. His favourites were shapeshifters, changelings. I woke up on instinct. The baby cries stirred that primal maternal need to care. I usually hated waking up, but I'd been planning this for nine months, and then some. First react in the best interest of the baby, then focus on yourself. I made a poor attempt at rousing myself, grabbing the film on top of the stack and shuffling to the crib. It wasn't until I reached my hand down to pat the milk-fueled baby that it all came rushing back to me. My baby had died shortly after birth. What was in this crib? My hand was dangling inches from it. Every horror movie instinct told me to pull away. In a flash of trained memory, I imagined red eyes, tentacles, sharp little teeth. But a mother's instinct is strong. And after only half a heartbeat's hesitation, I finished and reached and picked up the baby. Once it was in my arms, it felt so right. My sleep-fogged brain had cleared, and I chuckled at myself for my fear. I popped in a DVD and settled into my rocking chair. I'm just glad I kept the matching hospital bracelets for mother and baby as a memento. It made bringing this one home that much easier. Something is moving in the fog. Who's there? Something not quite human. Who is that? In Halloween, John Carpenter created a night of absolute fear. Now, he has conjured an evil so intense, not even the dawn can drive it away. The Fog, a study in unrelenting terror. Rated R. Shortcuts. Sam, stop! Cindy swatted at his hand. It's not funny. I didn't do nothing, Sam, replied with a smirk. Just leave my hair alone. Look, if you're going to get scared, we don't have to come this way, Sam said. It was almost completely dark on Halloween night, and Cindy had decided 
that her older brother Sam should take the shortcut through the woods on the way home. We have to, Cindy protested frantically. Mum said I could only stay up till ten and if we don't get home now, I won't have time to eat all my candy. It'll still be there tomorrow, Sam smiled. Unless somebody steals it. Sam lunged for the jack-o'-lantern-shaped pail hanging from his sister's arm. She spun and took off. Sam followed her quickly. Stop! Cindy pierced. Stop what? Sam asked. Pulling my hair, exclaimed Cindy. I didn't do nothing, Sam said again. Yes, you did, she argued, stomping her feet as she turned to face him. Yes, you... She reached up and grabbed her ponytail. She examined it and gave Sam a confused look, her face frozen. Sam, she said, pointing, look. Sam turned slowly. From the dark, empty space behind him protruded what looked to be fingers. Thousands of fingers pushing out behind the black silken cloth, hands trying to push through a membrane. I can hear them, Sam, Cindy said. They want help. Should we help them, Sam? Huh? Sam said, struck dumb by a growing chorus of hands trying to force himself through the skins of his dimension. They want us to pull, Sam. They said they want us to pull. Should we pull, Sam? No, Cindy. I don't think we should pull, he said. The hands kept pushing out, their arms now becoming visible as outlines in the veil. Cindy was entranced. She was reaching back, too, with one finger extended like she was reaching out to pet a big dog. Cindy, we have to go now, Sam said, as with as much authority as he could manage. He grabbed her arms and pulled her back. One of the veiled fingers came rushing after her, bending space around it into a fine, thin skin of an overflated balloon. It latched around Cindy's finger. Cindy screamed, she ripped her hand away. Her finger burned, black and smelling of sulphur and char. Sam grabbed her around the waist and picked her up, swinging her around and away from the hands. There was a rip and a piercing light behind him, but Sam did not turn around to see. He ran, ran through the woods with Cindy, his little sister, limp in his arms. When they reached the edge of the woods, he lay her down in the grass. Cindy, he urged, gently shaking her. Sam, she said, opening her eyes. Are you okay, he asked. Where are they, Sam? They're gone, Cindy, he said. But, but I can still hear them, Sam, she said. I can hear them, and they say thank you.
we'd like to show you some scenes from Charles Kaufman's Mother's Day. We'd like to show you the scene with the machete, but we can't. We'd love to show you the scene with the choker, the axe, the electric knife, but we can't because Mother's Day is too intense for television. The only way you'll ever see what happens is to see Mother's Day at a theater near you. Mother's Day contains scenes of violence which may be considered shocking. Under 17, not admitted without parent. The Woman in the Oven During the summer of 1983 in a quiet town near Minneapolis, Minnesota, the charred body of a woman was found inside the kitchen stove of a small farmhouse. A video camera was also found in the kitchen, standing on a tripod, pointing at the oven. No tape was found inside the camera at the time. Although the scene was originally labelled as a homicide by police, an unmarked VHS tape was later discovered at the bottom of the farm well, which had apparently dried up earlier that year. Despite its warm condition and the fact that it contained no audio, police were still able to view the contents of the tape. It depicted a woman recording herself in front of a video camera, seemingly using the same camera that the police had found in the kitchen. After positioning the camera to include both her and her kitchen stove in its view, she turned on the oven, opened the door, crawled inside and then closed the door behind her. After eight minutes into the video, the oven could be seen shaking violently. At this point, thick black smoke emanated from it. For the remaining 45 minutes of the video, until the batteries in the camera died, it remained in its stationary position. To avoid disturbing the local community, the police never released any information about the tape, or even the fact that it was found. Police were also not able to determine who put the tape in the well, or why the height and stature of the woman in the video did not come close to matching the body they'd found in the oven. Want to learn more about horror directors? With a lighthearted look at three of their movies, meet fearless podcaster Gore Blimey. I've been unsettled by bats in the past and startled by parrots, and I've even been known to jump at the odd cockatoo. Discover horror films that are classics, and others too. There's a topless aerobics massacre, an exploding rock singer, cannibals, nude martial arts, a deep fried prostitute. But it's not all silliness. You'll get proper movie breakdowns, opinion, and background information too. Yep, in the 80s and 90s, Jeff Stryker was huge in gay porn. In every sense. So if you're a horror film fan, come and check out the Trilogy of Terror podcast at strangeanddeadly.com or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or on your podcatcher one of those people that has a certain charisma and a certain style and I'm just hoping one day he'll rub off on me the trilogy of terror podcast where we try three times harder to give you the willies and joining me let me introduce this guy first because he missed the last one but has been on every other one he is my very good friend he is the the, the mastermind behind the behemoth that was rock and Real reviews he is of course Big Davey, Sexy Buchanan, or as, as we called him in the last... What was it, Buzz? The Iceman? The Iceman has Iceman. come. Iceman has come. <laughs> uh, right. How's it going, Iceman? Happening, guys and ghouls. How are you doing? Oh, so we see what I did there. We horror reference in his intro. Oh. Professional. I'm writing, I'm writing the, the Halloween spirit, Duncan. 
in the harrowing spell. Oh, there we go. That's nice to know. Um, are you excited to be back doing another commentary, Dave? I, I usually would be, Duncan. I'm not faring particularly well this evening. Mm. Um, just ball? been for a big three, big three course dinner, and I'm I'm kind of dying a wee bit. Toiling a little I'm, bit. Yeah. I'm either I'm either going to go into a cardiac arrest <laughs> or I'm going to shit myself and split my <laughs> anus in half. One of the two. You're on the right show for that. On the right <laughs> show for that. Um, oh. my, <laughs> splitting your anus. Um, Apart from that, I'm good, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's like happens. Like people, people have said that they've laughed so hard that their anuses have been split by my other mm. guest comments on this show. He is, um, he is finally, finally walked away triumphant against the season that is Halloween. We will now say that every October from henceforth will be known as Bazaween. He rained down an ungodly torrent of of fuck you in the face of Halloween this year, and and we've retired the segment because of it. There will no longer be Baz v Halloween purely because it's getting impossible to defeat this guy. He has been magnanimous in victory, though has not been taking to the internet to to stick up two fingers against anyone. He hasn't, and instead, what he's done is he's he's found a more refined, gentler existence. Now sitting down and enjoying Halloween movies just for the fuck of it. But he's taken one night off to join us here. He is the man who conquered Halloween for three years in a fucking row. This guy is a man. He is most certainly the myth. He is the legend. He is, of course, the Baz. Bona Tuvada, sexy homie Polonis. <laughs> just flows out him. Just flows out him, Dave. It's like, you, you never know where he's going to go. You never know. That was some intro, by the way. Uh, Do you fuckers uh, even know what that is? No. That was Polari. Oh, Polari, aye. Indeed. Polari, uh, subculture language of its own developed in the gay quarters of London in the last century. How do you know that? Because I've just finished reading Grant Morrison's entire run on the Doom Patrol, mm -hmm. right? A DC comic. And one of the characters in, in that the the Doom Patrol, their new base is a thing called Danny the Street, which is a sentient cross-dressing street that <laughs> speaks in Polari. And I've been I've been learning it myself. So what I actually said there was, "Good to see you, my sexy young effeminate gay man." Oh right, that's that's nice. That's good to know, isn't there it? That's that's. Oh my god! I like the thing is though. See when Baz does something like that, it seems cool. See when I got a Klingon dictionary when I was fourteen, I was called a gay bastard. So there you go. No justice. And drummed out the whole Glen. Drummed out the whole Glen. The whole Glen. That's what it's known as. Um, yeah. Baz, Baz, you have had what at least a week and a half um, in your victory to Baskin. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Duncan, Duncan. We're, we're going to need to stop and break the fourth wall to, to just read, read out the WhatsApp message that Big Sexy Dave has just sent the two of us uh -oh. saying, back in a sec, dogs just spewed on me. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Let's just keep talking. Welcome to the podcast under the stairs, folks. Yep. There's never a dull moment here. Uh, let's just I tell me, should you have given that dog all that booze? <laughs> <laughs> here, just have another wee nip. Have another wee nip. Drink this. <laughs> um, rumour has it last night you sat down to watch um, The Legend of Boggy Creek, a movie that I've not seen in many, many years. 
Um, yes. Being the big foot aficionado that you are, um, yes. how did you get on with it? Yeah, yeah. I watched it last night. Actually, I realised my uh, my daughter was staying at her friend's house last night, mm-hmm. um, and my wife was away out babysitting the wee boy that my son sort of gets looked after with. Mm-hmm. So it was just me and the wee fella, and he was away at his bed at the crack of dawn. Um, so I had the night to myself for once, which I never get. I thought, I'll, I'll watch a horror film. I've not done that in a while. <laughs> What I actually meant though was, you know, I'll watch one that I don't have to watch. I'll, I'll pick one that I fancy watching for a change. Using my own free will. Yeah, and um, I feel kind of guilty sometimes because I pay for Shudder and I don't use Shudder an awful lot, it has to be same. said. So we rake about on that. And um, I was looking under, there's a sort of category in it about kind of Bigfoot type movies or kind of monster movies. And The Legend of Boggy Creek came up now. Our listener, Myron Schmidt, had mentioned this a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think somebody asked about Bigfoot films, and of course, myself and a couple of others immediately jumped in with Willow Creek. Um, and Myron mentioned this Legend of Boggy Creek, and I, I looked up, and it's quite hard to get now, like yeah. legit, you know, to buy it. So I quite fancy seeing this, and then lo and behold, it turns up in Shudder. So yeah, I sat down and I watched it last night. Um, I've got to say, I really enjoyed it. It's very dated. Oh, yes. I was saying to Myron on Twitter, um, it's done, it, it, it's a very early attempt at one of these kind of faux documentaries, mm-hmm. but it's kind of dramatised as well, it's like a docudrama, and I think because it was done like that, the fact that it was so dated kind of added a little bit of charm to it, it was like watching a really old early Ken Burns documentary, oh, you know, yeah. the guy that does Civil War documentaries mm-hmm. and all that, Um so yeah, I mean, the, 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 the acting left a bit to be desired at points. But overall, I actually really enjoyed it. It's a very beautifully shot film. Yeah. Um, the, the the rendering of it doesn't hold up very well. It's, it's a bit shonky. I'd imagine there probably only VHS copies of it left to actually make a digital copy of. But yeah, um, yeah I, I actually did. I, I quite enjoyed The Legend of Ogie Creek. I probably wouldn't rush back to watch it again. You know, I'll maybe watch it again at some point in the future, but I'm not going to fire it up next week. You know, yeah. come on, everybody watch this film. But um, definitely worth watching and a million times better than some of the dog shite I have watched in that particular <laughs> subgenre over the past couple of years, it has to be said. It's um, it's interesting because the, the director that did that did um, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, the original. Yes, I think Myron mentioned that. Yeah, I've not seen that film though. So. It's, it's shot very much the same way and it kind of has an almost kind of full documentary-esque vibe. You know, there's like a like a narrator that narrates quite a lot of the movie while it's being played out, almost like a, a crime watch uh, reenactment. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, but more, more gruesome. But yeah, no, I'm, gl- I'm glad you checked that. I'm the same as you. I I have that. I've had Shudder now for over a year, um, and I very seldom watch anything. Although I did watch uh, found footage 3D last night in 2D. Uh, do, you, do you know what that was the other one? I was kind of humming and hawing about that. You should watch it. I think you get a kick yeah. out of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not great, but it's kind of like a... It, it does what Scream does for slasher movies to found footage movies, if that makes sense. It's very meta, okay. very self-referential. Um, it's really a found footage movie shot within a found footage movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't think it was terrible. Some of it was kind of predictable. There was a couple of moments in it that actually did give me a little fright. 
um, and that I wasn't expecting the jump scare at all. Um, but yeah, with that, it, it, it's, I mean, it's wholly predictable, but, predictable, but it's supposed to be because it's kind of it's, it's poking fun at itself. But yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, very impressed with that. And Shudder's another one where um, I uh, almost spent like thirty pound buying uh, Hammer's House of Horror season one on Blu-ray because it's never been released on Blu-ray, and lo and behold, mm. Shudder have it. <laughs> like an yeah. high def. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> that was actually going to be the next point. The, the, a lot of the stuff that's very hard to get in this country now, you know, like a legitimate copy of it, it seems to be appearing on Shudder. Yep. So don't go forking out a fortune, because that Legend of Boggy Creek, I was never going to buy it, you know, but it was crazy prices because um, I think there's probably only been one DVD issue of it kind of thing, do you know what I mean? And then lo and behold, it turns up in Shudder. So yeah, I, if you're trying to get something maybe a bit old and a bit more obscure, have a wee check on Shudder before you do it. Definitely, definitely. Now, I have been con- uh, I've been informed by way of WhatsApp, and we've already talked through this, Dave, so everyone knows your dirty secret, uh, <laughs> that, that Dave, Dave has returned to us. Um, <laughs> After cleaning up the dog spew, which Baz oh, clearly oh. pointed out to our listeners, is because that you feed uh, uh, Hooch uh, to the pooch. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Fucking can audits booze, Dave. Man. Oh man, fuck me! I mean, if I didn't want to be sick before, now the smell of dog vomit definitely makes me want to throw up. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> right on top of me, man. What a wee dick! Oh, uh, Baz, you have no idea. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I'm just gonna wait. I'm just gonna wait for the moment where they can't get off this couch. <laughs> there you go. What's he doing? He looks kind of fucking busy. <laughs> he looks like he's doing something important here. I think I'll go and fucking spew on him. <laughs> oh, it's so good, so good. So it's Dave. That's it's obviously we know that Baz has been watching uh, what we can only describe as a bit of metric ton of horror movies. Um, most most of it being forced upon him uh, during uh, this month. You have, however, uh, been uh, in a. a enviable position to the Baz anyway that you can choose and watch whatever you want whenever you want and not have me force some movies on you have you checked any horror movies thus far over October anything that's uh, um, lit, lit the candle under you uh, anything that has thoroughly depressed you uh, anything you want to share with us um, let me think horror wise um, saw the Flatliners remake oh um, yeah yeah as well just setting fire to that to be honest because it was dreadful <laughs> um, I, I, I'm maybe being harsh. It was. It wasn't dreadful, but it wasn't great. It wasn't great at all. Yeah. Uh, the ritual, obviously, um, myself and uh, your good self went to see the ritual, which I uh, thoroughly enjoyed. We did. We liked that. Uh, quite, quite a good bit. movie. Yeah. Um, try to think what else have I seen. Uh, title was misleading. I, I saw a ghost story, but it's not really a ghost story or a horror story, really. Yeah, that's um, the Casey Affleck <laughs> movie, isn't it? Yeah, I was kind of disappointed with that one. It looks um, arty as fuck. It looks like totally my sort of movie. <laughs> oh, it is very arty. It's just there's just loads of these kind of like there's like like a six minute shot of his girlfriend eating a pie, and that's all that happens. Just she just sits and eats a pie for six minutes. Is she naked? Sorry, I, I'm I'm too busy Instagramming here. What was this you watched? Uh, it's called a ghost story. It's um, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara um, about a uh, a couple and the. The husband gets killed and comes back as a ghost. Um, it was. It was I, I thought it was really disappointing. I was really looking forward to it because I really like Casey Affleck as an actor, but 
it's, it didn't do anything for me. It sounds a bit like Beetlejuice. I was about to say, it sounds like Ghost. Is there a scene where they're making <laughs> pottery? <laughs> Does Unchained Melody play in the background? Is Whoopi Goldberg in it? <laughs> Whatever happened to Whoopi Goldberg, actually? Uh, she's on some fucking American, like, loose women TV show or something, and that's what she does for a full-time living now. Right. She actually uh, married my best mate. <laughs> <laughs> what? She did. Ken Mark. You know American Mark? Aye. Gay here. Aye, get here. Oh, right, she I married him. Oh, right. So uh-huh. I thought you meant oh, she, she no, got no, married no, to no. no, no, no. Whippy Goldberg got married to gay here. <laughs> His name is Mark Cushing. So her name is now Whippy Cushing. Oh, Baz, man. He does this every show now. He cracks ah, his I've, I've done that joke since we were at school together, man, honestly. Never in front of me and Dave or you would have been booed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can move on. He's not actually married to her, he's happily married to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I saw I saw the trailer for it um and I saw the reviews for it and the reviews have been really good. But what, no ghost fucking no, <laughs> a ghost story, not ghost. Although oh, I think, this Casey Affleck yeah, I think thing that Ghost thought. got good reviews as well and it wasn't a very good movie. Oh the Sways though, man. It's got the Sways. And I'd I'd have pumped him. I would have. (laughs) I'd have joined you, Baz. I would have joined you. A dirty, dirty devils three-way, Davy boy. Double teamed him like fuck. Oh, spit roasted the spleen at him. Oh fucking hell! Uh, So Ghost Story did not meet Davy's approval. You thought it was kind of boring, did you say? It's not. It's not really horror. Supernaturally, obviously, because he comes back as a ghost, but not really horror. But uh, no, I didn't do it for me. No, Um, I'm about just over halfway through Stranger Things. Yeah, I can't talk about that here. Uh, The second season. Season trois. Oh, right, trois three, Dave. What? Twas <laughs> French yeah, for three minutes. And Twas two in Scottish, alright? <laughs> Maybe if you come for Fife or something like that. He was eating in Kouris, so. There you go, see? See? That's that, that's that. Yeah, I said Kouris, and anyone that lives in Scotland will be like, ah, there we go, Kouris reference. Everyone else is like, ah, Duncan's just had a stroke. <laughs> Uh, I've not seen this second season, so spoiler free here. I will not spoil anything, but uh, all I can say is I'm about halfway through and I'm I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. It's just fucking so good, man. Uh, For the first episode, I was like, oh, this is just so easy. It's amazing. Love it. Um, I was was like that with the first season, I've got to say. It was weird. It's like a fucking flashback 30 years, man. It was amazing. (laughs) It really is, eh? It feels even more so in this season. I don't know what it is. If it's that they've really kind of, um, they're playing into they're playing, it a lot more. Aye, def- definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> no offence, you're Duncan, right? <laughs> McLeish watched it, and they're like, "Oh, you've got to watch it. It's just like the eighties." And I was like, "Right, right, hold on, man. I, I grew up during the eighties. Do you know what? Watched it. Oh my god, he's right. I know. He's actually, <laughs> he's actually right. For once, he's actually right. Listen to him. Listen to him. <laughs> A couple of seasons of Buzz v Halloween goes his way, and he thinks he's the he's the, he's the big swinging dick of the show. No, you're not. Three you're just, of McLeish. You're just a dick, right? <laughs> 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 oh, man. So anything else, Dave? Any any other news? Um, happy Death Day. I saw Happy Happy Death Day last week. You didn't enjoy it as much um, as I did. 
Uh, I just, I just thought it was a really average movie for me. I um, it was a lot of fun. Is this the one? It's <sighs> a kind of like a Groundhog Day idea. Yeah, it's, thing. It's, is it's that right? Groundhog Day. They're calling it Groundhog Day meets Scream. Yeah, which right. it's, okay. it's maybe misleading in that it's not as graphic and gory as Scream. It's kind of horror light. It kind of reminded me, if you liked the Final Girls, which I know you did, Baz, you're going to enjoy Happy Death Day. Yeah, I love Final Girls. That was amazing. Yeah, it's, it's PG-13, so it kind of levels back in that. There's a kind of good emotional core. It's the, the slasher stuff in the background is really... It's there, but it's, that's not the... Uh. It's quite it's more, tame. It's, yeah, it's more a comedy than it is a horror movie. You know how they do I horror totally agree. comedies. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. Yeah, it leans more that way, so it's, it's definitely in that way. But I thought, yeah, I, I, I thought it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I, I wanted to like it because I, I mean, I saw the trailer and I thought I knew what Kenny film I was going to see. Like, it wasn't like I was like surprised or anything like that. I knew it wasn't going to be groundbreaking horror or anything like that. But mm. um, I, I don't know. I just felt like it had obviously the horror elements, the kind of comedy, a bit of drama, but. It, just, just none of the elements really kind of blew me away. It was a bit kind of, uh, kind of like Jackie All Trades, Master of yeah. None kind of thing. That's yeah, how yeah. I would describe it. But um, yeah, it was just, just kind of average for me. Um, but that's I think the last one I watched was Happy Death Day. I went out to check out Jigsaw. Oh, how'd you go on with that? <sighs> I'm planning to go and see it uh, this week coming. Did, did you have Hopefully. you have you watched them all? <sighs> Because you don't need to. <laughs> I, I don't think I have actually. I don't think I have seen them all. You really don't Memory need to watch them all anyway. But um, this is the for those that don't know, this is the eighth installment in the Saw franchise. This is what they're they're classing as a, a loose kind of reboot of the series. Uh, to see. Right. And I think it did fairly well on its opening weekend. I don't think it did like amazing money, but it did better than expected. So there's a very good chance we'll get another one. Um, off the back of it, but um, yeah, it continues, continues the story. It's set ten years after um, John Kramer, aka the Jigsaw Killer, died, which is the second movie, if memory serves, or the third. I think it's the third movie. Um, and yeah, we were thrust back into the world of Jigsaw. I was about twenty-five minutes into the movie when I guessed who the killer was, <laughs> and I was about forty-five minutes into the movie before I guessed the first big twist um, and then the the kind of final final twist which only is revealed right at the very end I got it before it happened as well so um, right. so there was nothing remarkable about it <laughs> I thought story wise I mean if you've seen one Saw movie you've kind of seen them all um, it oh. wasn't as unnecessarily graphic as some of the other ones so they've toned that back a bit but I don't think it was made on a huge budget um, and yeah it's I will give it the Saw movies have one thing over any other horror franchise and it's their commitment to continuity like so much so that they will go to the ends of the earth in some of the sequels to painstakingly do flashbacks seven <laughs> years before to explain why things are done a certain way and that's mm -hmm. kind of great but I'll tell you this is the bit I don't like they over explain everything in the movie I hate right. I hate someone explaining something to me that I already know um, mm -hmm. and the, the great example of this is there is one particular scene where there's a shotgun, a shotgun shell, uh, and the jigsaw killer puts the shotgun um, in the in the shotgun cart cartridge in the gun and puts it down and says, um, when he lifts up the, the shell in front of him, he goes, this is your salvation, puts it in, puts it down, uh, and through uh, an act that happens, which I won't spoil, um, the gun goes off, 
um, and the shell falls out and there are two ruined keys and these keys would have unlocked the locks that are on these people and then we get a flashback to him saying like lifting up the shotgun cartridge saying this is your salvation and I'm like right I get that right that's that's what he meant when he did that but then it does a further flashback to show you Jigsaw putting the keys inside the shotgun cartridge shell just in case you hadn't worked that out and I'm like for fuck's sake like that just like and it does that all the way through it it's like something happens you as the audience know it's happened for a reason but then you get a flashback to explain why it happens and that's yeah there's only so much of that I can do before my eyes rolled a few times during it it's not the worst (laughs) in the series though it's easily better than the last two Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah if you're looking for a movie you can switch your brain off to it would certainly tick the box um, but it's not very good (laughs) it's like really not very good at all Um, anyone got any other movies they want to talk about just before we take a short break and then come back and talk about our feature for this episode, which is a little movie called Trick or Treat. Have you seen Blade Runner yet, by any chance? I still haven't. Um, I oh, think I've got maybe a, about another week before it. And saying that, I think it jumped back up to number one in the UK, which means it'll probably still have another couple of weeks out there. Um, yeah, I need to. I need to go. Uh, you need need to go I need to see it on the big screen because I know that's where it'll be best to see it Baz wasn't joining you in with a groan there because I haven't (laughs) seen it Baz is just groaning because he hates Blade Runner (laughs) yeah hate it hate hate it, hate it, wouldn't want to date it Um, (laughs) I've watched it so many times as well, it's ridiculous there you go, there you go sounds like it the original one one, I think is slightly overhyped to be honest doesn't make sense, David. It literally doesn't make sense. Doesn't matter what. Don't, don't come at me with your director's cut. I'll burn your house to the ground. I, the, the first one isn't. I, I don't think the first one's overhyped. I think it's just. It, like, see, when the first one came out. Shite. When the first one came out uh, commercially, it didn't do very well. And critically, it did very well. I.e., just like the new one. You know, commercially mm-hmm. isn't doing very well, critically received very well. Um, but when people started watching it, like on VHS, realised that they're, like, technologically speaking, that movie looked like no other sci-fi movie that had ever been made, and that's where the hype comes from. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's carried through. It kind of broke ground at that time, so people still hold it up as, you know, this groundbreaking movie of, of yeah. science fiction. And I think that's, I think that's where, where the problem is. Yeah, I think when you come and watch it now, you're like that. Well, I've seen, like umpteen movies which incidentally have all been based on Blade Runner yeah. it's a hugely influential movie but um, yeah Baz doesn't yeah, like and, it and I when like you it. live in Grangemouth like the three of us do you see it every day <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah pretty much live, you know I mean? I live in that city um, yeah now, the, was it not, did Ridley Scott not actually base the initial the opening visuals on pictures he'd seen in the Grangemouth refinery Possibly, I don't know. That's I, I, I genuinely know. I have heard that's not me being facetious and being a dick like I normally am. I have heard that before. I, I've never heard that story before. But that doesn't necessarily <laughs> that, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's not true. Or that Baz that's true. <laughs> that is true. The Baz has said so. Um, <clears throat> right, ladies and gents, we're going yeah, to. Take I've a, just about finished my second dark fruit here. We, yeah, need, we need to step this up, boys. We need, we need or I'm not going movie. to see the end of Trick or Treat. He's not going to see full stop. He's going to go blind. Uh, right, we're going to take our first <laughs> first break of this episode. Uh, you're going to promos for shows that I love right after this.
1988, he startled us with a frightening vision. Then he was destroyed and left for dead. Now, he's about to be reborn. Child's Play 2. You know, we haven't gotten a decent night's sleep since he got here. It's playtime again. Hello? Hello. Who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Um, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn? You're making popcorn. Uh-huh. to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. Dan and Gav, yeah. That podcast was scary. I liked it. Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of the strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? Um. The Green Lady of Crathis Castle Within the walls of the 16th century Crathis Castle stocks, the Green Lady, a forlorn spectre said to be the harbinger of doom for the Burnett family. But who is she? The Green Lady always appears in the same room, pacing back and forth from the fireplace, sometimes cradling an infant in her arms. Queen Victoria is counted among the visitors to the castle who have witnessed her, but her true identity remains shrouded in mystery. Some say she is an apparition of a servant girl who fell pregnant out of wedlock and fled the castle, never to be seen again. But a grisly discovery alleged unearthed while the castle was being renovated in the 1800s tells a far more sinister story. It is said that beneath the hearthstone of the fireplace workmen uncovered the skeletal remains of a woman and a child. Were these unfortunate souls the victim of foul play? The truth behind their fate will never be known. She may not have been sighted in many years, but one thing is certain. An unspeakable sense of dread is felt by all who dare to step foot in the room of the Green Lady. Hanging Man Hill Gaston, South Carolina is a lonely little place sitting just south of Columbia along 321. It's just a small crumb of the mishappen piece of pie on the United States plate, and we call it South Carolina. Its population has almost never gone over 2,000, and it's only 3.4 square miles across in all directions. It feels even lonelier when you come in from a place like Roanoke, Virginia. 
After Mum lost her job, we moved to the only place where the rest of her family resided. Good old South Clackalacky. I had been moping on the trip the whole time all the way down here. The way I saw it, the only friends I was going to be making here were the fire ants and that inferno of a son. Once we got settled in at 304 Dixiana Drive, I always remembered the address because the number in it was carved into the driveway and it spelled Ho if you looked at it upside down. I immediately set into the neighbourhood in search of friends. I didn't know how to ride a bike at the time and I barely knew how to ride a skateboard. So I petered down the long stretch of road directly across from the front of our house on the cheap little Walmart board until I came to a small cul-de-sac that seemed to go uphill. Sitting outside on his front porch was a chubby little kid with glasses that looked about 10 or 11, about my age at the time. I really had no one else to talk to, so I asked what his name was and he told me that it was Terry. He liked being outside a lot, and I didn't, but we both seemed to like video games. With that, we would get along just fine. There was one thing he hadn't told me over the next few weeks that were spent riding round the neighbourhood. He was into scary movies. I was a massive chicken when it came to anything that seemed intent on forcing you to change your underwear every five minutes, so I didn't really like that aspect of him. Even worse, he had tons of horror movie action figures and loads of VHS tapes, all of them with creepy movies you could think of stacked in his room. Every time I came to visit, he was almost certain to scare the living bejesus out of me with one of those creepy Freddy Krueger dolls or force me to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with him in the dark. His room wasn't really nice to look at to begin with, but he had a bunk bed, he was an only child, and his grandmother lived with him, in which he slept on the bottom with all his slasher figures and action figures that he slept on top. There was loads of holes in the wall and everything had a general grimy feel to it. It made those horrifying moments of watching pure terror in the dark all the more icky. One day, when he realised I pretty much hated any kind of horror movies he threw at me, he began telling me urban legends. Some of them were about the town as a whole, but more than not, they were about our particular neighbourhood. I didn't really believe any of them. That is, until he told me about Hanging Man Hill. It was about a year after we met each other that we were riding around the neighbourhood. By this time, Terry had told me to man up and he had eventually taught me how to ride his bike. He stopped when we were riding in front of a house we had simply entitled The Crack Shack due to the residents being stoned out of their minds on a regular basis. He seemed to be peering out of the small pathway behind that place that went up the further you went back. He was usually the leader when he came out showing me the new place in the neighbourhood, so I didn't question a thing when he beckoned me to follow him up the trail. It was a pretty steep climb up the side of the hill, with plenty of sands and rock to send anyone not being careful straight back down. It felt as though the trees were closing tighter and tighter on us until we reached a large opening at the top. Beside the empty soda bottles and used condoms, the only man-made thing in the area that I could see was a long stretch of telephone poles going across a series of sandy, dry hills. If not for two strips of hairy forest on each side of these hills, 
and might have gone on forever. The area didn't seem to have any particular importance. I'd expected him to bring me to some sort of awful cemetery, but in the dying light of the late afternoon sky, those rolling hills looked beautiful. I thought he might try some last desperate attempt to scare me, but instead he just turned to me with the most serious and grim face I'd ever seen on him. Here we are, Hanging Man Hill, he whispered. Hanging Man Hill. Is this another one of your stories? Sorta, except this one's true. I rolled my eyes at the thought of it. How did he possibly expect me to believe any of his stories? He just kept staring at me with that face waiting on me to respond. How could this even be a hanging man hill? There's no hanging man. And there's at least five dozen hills here. Right down there. Look. He pointed his finger towards the nearest telephone pole, sitting between the two closest hills to us. A small creek, no more than five feet across, ran between the two hills and went onwards into the never-ending forest. There was no hanging man, but the pole itself seemed more ominous than the rest. Roy Terrace, he whispered. Who? It wouldn't be Hanging Man Hill without a hanging man, would it? He bolted down the first hill on that blazing orange bike of his. I tried to keep up, but Walmart and sporting goods don't seem to mix. There was a faulty chain on this cheap, dull red bike. The sticks from the surrounding trees had rooted themselves to the ground and they were now snagging onto the dangling chain. With one mighty tug of a huge root on the bike, I was head over the handlebars all the way to the bottom. I landed on my knees with a small sploosh sound as my legs hit the water. It couldn't have been more than a few inches deep. I almost cried for help from Terry when I realised that he had stopped at the bottom just before I had tumbled into the creek alongside him. His head was peering upwards, looking straight at the top of the dark and shadowy looking telephone pole. Little help, I squeaked. Terry broke his gaze from the pole just long enough to wrench me up from the creek and get me to my feet. After that, his stare continued to be fixed on seemingly nothing at the top of the pole for the longest time. What is it, or who is it, or what are you looking for again? I grumbled in frustration. I was going to be pretty pissed if he'd taken me down here and all I'd gotten out of the trip was a banged up knee. I hadn't noticed the pain before because of the water in the stream was cool, but now it stung like the dickens. Roy Terrace, owner of that small shed just beyond the trees there. I hadn't noticed the shed before, it just sat behind the large oak. It couldn't have been bigger than five outhouses put together. After his wife and kids left him, he hung himself in the wires just above us. Cops didn't find much, just a charred husk of what used to be a man. Legend says that whoever is out there at the exact time of his death gets strung up on the wires just like him. Oh, and do tell, when would that be? For once, he broke his serious tone to give me a goofy, I don't know, shrug. And then back to that grim attitude. And you're suggesting that we just stay here and wait for him. Despite the many excuses I have to dispute this, I think I'm going to go with it's late and my mum's making dinner, so I'm going to go home. Fine, tell your mum that you're sleeping over at my house tomorrow night 
and we'll do a vice versa with my grandma. Meet you here at seven. Against my better judgement, I decided that I might as well come. What harm did it do? Obviously he was lying and, if nothing else, it would set my mind at ease to see that he was. While none of his stories actually seemed to be true up till this point, his sudden change of tone had made me slightly more believable. When he told his other stories, he was giggling so hard that one might think he'd snorted out the last pound of happy crack. When we were heading home, just as the last tint of orange had left the sky, I asked him, Why did you get so serious back there? You're always such a total goofball. I lost my grandpa to Roy Terrace. My grandma was with him when it happened. Haven't you ever wondered why she's grumpy all the time? His grandmother was, in fact, very crotchety. I never bothered to ask why she was that way. If this was some elaborate hoax by Terry, I was going to slap him to next Tuesday when we was done. That night, I had a horrible nightmare. Like most people, I couldn't remember much about it, but I had Roy Terrace written all over it. Even though I was roasting on the hot South Carolina night, I had woken up with the chills. By the time 6pm had rolled around, I had already packed my old school bag with some basic equipment like a flashlight and a few bags of Chet's Mix in case we got hungry. By 6.30 I had rolled out into the neighbourhood as fast as my overweight 11-year-old could. I had to admit, I was actually pretty excited. Finally, at around 6.55 I had arrived up at the small creek where Terry had already set up a small fire and was roasting marshmallows. If I hadn't decided to show up, I would have disappointed him like hell. How is this exactly going to work? Are we just going to camp out here all night? We don't even know when we were supposed to show up, I said. Eh, well, um, er, um, er, he said as he stuffed his face with marshmallows. What? He crammed the marshmallows down his throat and said, I said, I'll wait all night here if I have to. Whatever, I resorted and plopped down next to him. He had already thrown three lighters up to keep it lit, and I began to pull out my snacks. After about three hours, the first of the crickets had begun to sing their endless chirping song, and as the last streak of sun had reached its end, I began to grow irritated. Terry was wide awake, his hand glued to his bag of marshmallows. He had begun his eternal gaze to the top of the pole again. Terry, man, I'm tired. If I don't see this crispy dead dude in the next hour, I'm out. Mm, okay. His cheeks stuffed like a squirrel with another marshmallow. I snuggled up to the fire and began to doze off. Just as I was about to slip into unconsciousness, a loud, crusty, brittle peeling sound echoed through the hills and out into the forest. I immediately sat up. My vision was pretty blurred from having almost dozed off, but I could make out Terry's shape. He was gaping, wide-eyed, at the top of the pole. If there had been a bit of moonlight, I might have seen what I was sure to have seen up there. But the crescent moon sat just beyond the trees, like the shed. In an instant, Terry was on his bike and flying up the hill, bag of marshmallows in his hand. I managed to pull myself up and get to my bike began pedalling like a madman when I realised that the chain had popped off. Stupid damn bike! 
With my eyes adjusting to the dark, I peered back at the top of the pole one more time before I built up the top of the hill. Roy Terns was not so much of a person as he was a sagging shape. His flesh, dark as the night, was clinging to the bones for dear life. His facial features, though not entirely evident, seemed to be in the constant state of both agony and ecstatic joy. And that eye, that one eye he had left, deep in its socket, gazed upon me with absolute hatred and absolute want. Just when it seemed that he was ready to climb off the wire and come for me, the weak spine that had been holding his head to that molten pile of flesh and bones snapped, sending what was left of his skull tumbling into the fire Terry had started. It gave me one glowing, burning, satisfied grin before disintegrating into a wisp of ash. I'd have been halfway up the hill before I had realised I was moving. I followed the bike tracks Terry had left, which led further into the hillside, off to the side where the trail led back to the neighbourhood. Just as I clawed my way to the top of the hill, I saw a thin shape dangling from above. Oh no, I croaked. Terry's bike, that blazing orange bike that he loved so much, was left wrecked at the base of the tent pole. Above, Terry's body hung limply although it didn't look much like Terry anymore. Terry hadn't been on the wires as long as Roy, which made it even worse. He was charred, but not entirely. His eyes bulged from his head in constant shock. What was left of his hair stood out on end, still smoking. The seemingly endless wires above entangled Terry's neck like a boa constrictor. Dangling from his scrawny, burnt little arms was a bag of marshmallows, melted to his hand with the heat. The police investigation hadn't dug up much. They had scoured all throughout the area, but hadn't found any evidence that anyone had even been there. I begged them to search the telephone wires, but they continued to state that there was no evidence that anyone had even touched the wires. The search continued for three weeks. After the police had finally given up, Terry's grandmother passed away. For those last few days, she hadn't said anything to anyone. She only sat and stared at a picture of her and her husband for the remainder of her life. After the house had been cleared out, the contents of Terry's room were offered to me. His entire collection of horror movies, action figures and all else was donated to Goodwill. My request. I went back a few years later. We had gone to Gaston to visit our family for a while, and while I requested that we stop by the neighbourhood, any evidence that we'd ever been there all those fateful years ago had been swept away by the police or by the weather. Now, like before, there was only useless garbage and telephone poles. Just as I was getting ready to walk away, I caught a glimpse of something in the corner of my eye. I only saw it a little bit before it fluttered away. It was a melted marshmallow bag. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been our very special Halloween episode. 
Thank you very much for checking out this episode, even though it was a bit ad hoc, flung together at the last minute. Hopefully you have enjoyed it. Truth be told, I'm recording the closing to this podcast in the wee hours of Halloween. It's about one o'clock in the morning. And um, yeah, I wanted to put something out for you guys because uh, this is a really important date for the podcast under the stairs. But I've never missed a show on Halloween and I wasn't going to let it expire this time anyway. Keep the streak alive. I hope you've enjoyed some of the stories that I picked from online. All of them are creepypastas and creepy stories that you can find on Reddit. Um, some of them scary, some of them less scary. Hopefully some of them might have even put a chill up your spine. Once again, I'd like to apologise that we never managed to get our trick-or-treat commentary out. Uh, technical mishaps aside, we were really looking forward to doing it and we will try to find some sort of solution and in the future bring at least another commentary before the year's out. I know I'll have at least one for Christmas time and see if we can get the baz on that. Even if it means we have to sit in the same room to record, we'll do something. As always, there's a multitude of ways to check out the podcast under the stairs. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the feed, that way you get the episodes as and when they drop and you get access to the entire back catalogue as well. Please leave us a rating and a review. Come across to our Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teapotscast and visit our website, teapotscast.com. You can also check out the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, TuneIn and Google Play. The Baz is in charge of the twin prongs of social media sexiness on Twitter and Instagram. Both can be followed at at teaputscast. Right, I'm going to get out of here. I hope you've had a fantastic Halloween. And if you're in the middle of it, I hope you have a great one when you get home. Remember, get those kiddies out. Trick-or-treating, it's the main thing. It's for the kids. And when you get home, watch something that absolutely terrifies you. But wherever you are, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs on Halloween. Signing off. (laughs) 